Hi guys, this my name is Donnie Rouse and you are listening to the podcast One Life. So I'm recording live right now from Hoi An, Vietnam, where I'm just sitting at a cafe, the Hoi An Roastery. So if there's a little bit of background noise on this recording, I apologize for that. But I wanted to take a moment because I haven't posted this well I haven't posted this week. I did a pre-recording, but I just want to share an update on my trip, some of the lessons I've learned while traveling, uh, as well as those lessons that I'm going to bring forward with me. So the trip started in Hanoi, which at first glance was a very, very chaotic city, but somehow within all of that chaos, the scooters going back and forth, people hustling left and right, cutting through, it was just kind of like this, the traffic was this woven fabric that just worked and fit together. And it was in all of that chaos, all of that, that madness that I actually was actually able to find some peace as well. Because sitting at a cafe, you see this world going by so fast and it's so natural because when you see these, the Vietnamese people moving back and forth and just living everyday life, there is no stress. You, you hear the horns, the horns honking on all the scooters, but it's, it's just that there's no, uh, there's no frustration. It's more of like a cultural thing to say, hey, you know, I'm letting you know that I'm here. It's this way you can move out of the way. The coffee has been pretty phenomenal. The Vietnamese coffee is in the north, I find is actually getting, it's changing as I go south. So I started in Hanoi, I'm going to Hoi An, and then I go to Ho Chi Minh after this, maybe with a short stop at a beach. And the coffee in Hanoi was stronger, had this very viscous, dark richness to it that reminded me much of a Neapolitan espresso. And it's probably no surprise because a lot of the espressos in Italy use Robusta, and I wouldn't be surprised if they use Vietnamese Robusta because they are the largest producer of Robusta. And I know Indian Robusta is also very good as well. So lessons I've learned, it's always when I start traveling that I start to like, at first there's this comfort level that I, I get into where I need to see other people, I need to be around other people. And in the beginnings of those travels, move around with those people that are familiar with me. Thank you very much. And as the trip progresses, slowly I start to release that and realize that, you know, it's all going to be okay. I can go out on my own. I can do my own thing. And I could meet people and then say goodbye without feeling that need to kind of hold on and connect, even with people that I might have had just a brief, uh, a brief moment with. Sometimes that's all there is. Sometimes you meet someone and they're meant to be in your life for five minutes, you know, to have a cup of coffee and then you move on. And some people are meant to be in your life a lot longer. So it's always one of those lessons that I learn, lessons that are reoccurring in my travels, kind of give me that reminder. And that's what I just experienced today in Hoi An. Uh, another lesson that I learned, and there's actually been several, was um, I was at the checkout. And I've been kind of, my mind has been very internally processing so many different things. Now it's starting to slow down. But while I was in my hostel getting ready to check out, there was this, they give you this little flute in the shape of an animal. There was a rooster on this giant plate of mixed animals that had like a tiger, a turtle, a goat, a tiger, uh, they said a tiger, <laughs> a cat. And I'd wanted the rooster because in this particular hostel, every night you'd go to sleep, a rooster would, a rooster would grow up. 
And then when you would wake up at four in the morning, you would wake up to a rooster. And then it would stop and kept going. It was very, very kind of like erratic in the sense that there was no sunrise, rooster crows. It crowed at all hours of the day. So sleeping could be a little bit difficult, say nonetheless. And so I wanted this little rooster. I saw this rooster on the plate and I was like, oh, wow, you know what? At first there was only three animals. There was a rooster, there was a snake, and then there was a tiger. And I said, wow, you know what? I, that's a sign. And this rooster, for me, it was a signal for me or a, a symbol for waking up and coming to that realization. And also it was a reminder of the experience I had while staying at this hostel in Hoi An, that the rooster would wake up. And it was kind of like a joke too, because I was reading reviews about this hostel and it said, be careful if you get the first room because there's literally a rooster right outside the window and it'll wake you up at four o'clock in the morning. I arrived at this hostel and the room I got was exactly that room. When I was speaking to one of the Dutch guys I was rooming with, he's like, oh yeah, you know, you'll, you'll hear this rooster. It starts crowing early in the morning. And I started, I started laughing because I, was like, I remember reading the review on this particular hostel and this room. And I just laughed. I was you know what? It's part of the experience. And so when I was leaving, I wanted to get this rooster whistle. But, but I instead chose to go with a turtle. I'm looking, if you hear me, I actually spilled coffee on my notebook and I'm just <laughs> taking the foam and licking it off of my fingers. Um, and so I chose to go with this turtle and then looking back, like, you know what? I, I, I really did want the, roost, the rooster. But I put it back and then a girl came and she's like, ooh, wow, I'll take this one. And she grabs the rooster, the one that I had initially wanted. And it was a lesson for me to be decisive because so many, like, you know what you're, you know what you want. And yet sometimes you don't, you're indecisive and you don't go for it. You don't grab what you, what you really, really want to get. And it's kind of been a theme in my life in the sense that like different business goals, different aspirations that I have, both in travel and the professional, that you just I hadn't gone for because I put it off or I second guessed myself. So that was the lesson for me there. And the lesson from the rooster, I will kind of backtrack. I met this guy Tony Zizik. He was from Croatia, now living in Germany. And Tony was talking to me about this hardship he had while living in. In uh, I think he's in Bosnia now so it, it, I don't know if it was originally Croatian territory now it's in Bosnia but he was telling me about the hardships he had growing up and he was telling me how one day he was questioning his existence he's like well what, what if I didn't exist and as he thought about that everything started to shift for him and it, it put him into a very deep meditative state and when I met Tony one of the things he you could see that he has this very warm spirit. This is his first time traveling outside. He lives in Germany from Croatia, but this was his first time traveling outside the continent of Europe and probably outside of like those two countries where he spent his entire life. And he was saying that in the world, in Europe specifically, is that like there, there's this unity that people feel. They, they, they feel like they're connected to uh, their neighbor, the people in different countries. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot, it seems to be a lot of turmoil, but I think to the greater extent, that is somewhat true. And he commented on how American, he said, while we're great, why I'm grateful for America because of the innovation and the, um, this innovative culture behind America and all the stuff that comes out. He said that it also feels like Americans kind of like separate themselves from the world. And I thought about that in my own life. 
and it made me think question how I was the things that were going on in my mind like I said whenever I travel usually I'm in my mind for a good part of it and then slowly all that starts to dissipate and I was thinking about my actions and my thoughts and how they were shaping the trip thus far and it was true I mean I was I mean and I'm sure everyone is but this is me internalizing it I was very much internally focused um, in many ways playing a victim if I saw people hanging out and I, and I felt alone which is stupid because if anything I've, I've actually bring people together when I'm at the hostels I literally gather groups of people together and create like these um, and introduce everybody remember names but at the same time my mind goes to this this place of loneliness sometimes and it made me aware of these, these thoughts that I was having. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, this is the experience I'm having. And then when I went to sleep that night, the dream was um, how I was creating my own reality. I mean, this is all stuff that I know, but when your mind is really busy, sometimes you can't think clearly. And that, that had been the case. But today I feel I'm extremely tired. <laughs> I'm drinking two coffees right now. But... Um, but my mind, I feel much slower now. I feel much more present. And I think part of the reason is I'm, I'm doing this podcast. So doing the podcast actually will help me internalize and kind of reflect on the experiences I've had. And also doing a little bit of writing in the journal, which also makes me go inward to reflect. And, and I find that that brings me a lot of peace. And it also helps me feel like I'm contributing, that I'm giving something to someone else this way. Because I know when you listen to stuff, when you hear others speak, you kind of internalize it. It's almost like telling a story we learn best when we don't know we're learning. So by listening to this, you might reflect upon it in your own life and come up with these different epiphanies, these different conclusions and how they relate to you. Um, so I am, again, in Hoi An. I, I'm sorry if I'm going off on a tangent and I'm, there's no really format to this because I'm sitting in the cafe. Normally I would kind of like plot out and write down the main points I want to hit. But um, I did not do that today. I'm just kind of free-flowing. I am going to be going to Ho Chi Minh to one of the museums about the Vietnamese. We call it the Vietnamese War. They call it the American War, which I thought was really, really, really... <laughs> Uh, ironic and I don't know a whole lot or I don't remember a whole lot I should say about the Vietnamese war but when I was in Hanoi they had all these like uh, they had all these like planes that were shot down by Vietnamese forces and how like uh, you know they, I, they had one plane shot down 12 American planes and they also showed you pictures of all like the um, the devastation that was a result of the Americans going to war with Vietnam and I, I know it's going to be even exacerbated even more when I go down to Ho Chi Minh because there's I was told that there's a museum there that everyone who goes in there is literally just moved to tears and it's going to be a side that I know that we don't and I noticed that being here I'm seeing a view from their eyes, right? Just like when we're in the United States, we're seeing it from the perspective of those living in the United States. Is there a right one? Not really. I, I, I don't think so because that, I mean, that's, that's the experience of life, right? I mean, um, 
it seems to me like the, the Vietnamese people have been extremely open, extremely inviting, extremely friendly, more so than I ever thought possible, especially considering the history we have with them. And one of my friends who's from Vietnam, when I booked the trip, she was like, oh my God, you're gonna be traveling alone, kind of scaring me into thinking that it was unsafe, but I haven't felt unsafe these entire time I've been here. And I'm, you'll probably hear me reflect on some of this again when I get back into the studio and I start doing my recordings uh, in my regular um, schedule time. But I was, you know, going down the street and the people, the people here are fairly, I would say, fairly poor, although the living standards are kind of consistent, I would say, across a lot of Vietnam in terms of what I've seen. But the people are happy as well. The people are very giving. I think part of it is probably because of what they've experienced. I, when I was in Japan, I was in Hiroshima. I was really, really surprised at the to see the peace that they had. The, like uh, so, to have such a uh, you know the, the dropping of the nuclear bomb. These people lived peace because having seen what they've seen, experienced what they've been through in the uh, Second World War, they didn't want any fighting, they didn't want any confrontation, their whole motivation, their whole uh, purpose for living was was peace. And I see, I, I kind of relate that going back to Vietnam, the war, I mean, I'm going to see pictures, they talk about the Agent Orange and the effects that's had on the Vietnamese people, even till now, and how having experienced all that, because they've been oppressed by the Americans, they've been oppressed by the French, uh, Chinese, I mean, they've had so much hardship in their history. And I think it's a result of having that hardship that they've kind of blossomed into the people they are. I mean, extremely, uh, extremely giving, extremely kind, extremely friendly to foreigners, especially those who you would think that they would have some kind of bias towards, like an American. And uh, quick story, I was walking on the street, it was raining, and a woman came by asking if, uh, if we wanted to buy ponchos. And I was with two guys from Australia, they're like, no, 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 no money, no money, no money. And she goes, no, here, it's for, it's for free. Normally when you go to any other country and you say, it's, they say it's for free, it means they're gonna hand it to you, you're gonna put it on and then they're, then they're gonna charge you. But here she gave, it. he goes, no, no, here, for free, for free. She gives us it and then gives a smile and then just kind of walks off in her own direction, like in, on her own way. And we're like, oh my God, wow, that was extremely nice of her. And um, she was like the spa owner. We're like, oh, well, you know, we'll come by for a massage and, um, I didn't go to that particular massage, but I also didn't say I was going to go there. The Australian guy said they were going to go there. I don't know if they did or not, but it was just this, this random act of kindness that kind of surprised us to say, like, wow, people are extremely nice here. And um, yeah, I, I have nothing but a very, very deep, deep respect for the Vietnamese people. And it, this experience so far has been amazing. I was not expecting to like Vietnam as much as I have. I've been eating street food everywhere, and it's been extremely safe. Maybe some little unsettling of the stomach at times, but for the most part, the food has been amazing. And um, yeah, there's no no fear in eating stuff on the street. Um, but experience has been so far so good. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I'm going to end this this episode here. Um, 
gonna sip the rest of my coffee, which is now cold. And I will connect with you maybe again before I leave and come back to the United States. But if not, then likely that Monday I will uh, talk to you then. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you, talking to you, hearing from you. If you like anything I've said on this or any of my other podcasts, please leave a comment. And come back to you live soon. Take care.